Hey, welcome to Stories with Briscoe and Bradshaw. I am uh, Bradshaw. That's Briscoe over there. How you doing, Mr. Briscoe? Uh, Layfield, uh, I'm, I'm doing good, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Shaw. <laughs> Mr. Shaw, as the sheik would say. Mr. <laughs> Shaw, your boy yeah. Brad is such a fine young man. Yeah. Little so, did you know, A lot of people don't know that we share something that's a bit of a history uh, in wrestling. An 8.6 quarter hour rating, which I think is the highest regular quarter hour ever. There may have been a higher overrun era, a quarter hour ever, but the highest regular quarter hour we had, we were preempted against WCW. And I wrestled Ron Simmons, the APA wrestled each other uh, in the first part of the hour, and the first part of the quarter hour, and the second part of the quarter hour, you and Pat Patterson were against the Main Street Posse. And we drew an 8.6. Think about that. These guys today would they'd fall all over themselves if they drew an 8.6. Oh man, they're 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 lucky if they do the points six now, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that that was that was so much fun back then. And you know, they say you're only as good as your lead in. So fortunately I had you you and Ron, <laughs> you and Ron leading Pat and I. And those, those kids were Main Street Posse, old Pete and Ron and all those guys. What great guys they were, man. They were awesome. They were really good at what they did. And they didn't know nothing. I mean, that was the thing about it. They worked trail. I mean, they knew very little, if, if anything. But, you know, they fit in right away. As soon as they, they came in, you know, they were the outsiders. They were Shane's friends. They had all this stuff, you know, you'd think would be against them. Everybody loved those guys. Yeah, I mean, but you know, that was it. They were just good guys when they come in. They, uh, they were Shane's buddies, and everybody just, you know, Shane was so well respected and uh, and thought of, and uh, wasn't pushy or anything with these guys. You know, he just brought them in, you know, as as, as his little posse. Because Vince had to had the Stooges being uh, R.I.P. Pat Patterson, so uh, uh, Shane brought in his Stooges for, from the main streets of Greenwich. You know, oh. Chel Sean and the Chel Sean and the tough, uh, tough SOB and uh, UFC, he uh, he advertises himself off of that from the mean streets of West, uh, Westwood or whatever the hell he lives out in Portland, Oregon, you know. <laughs> hey, he, he called, you. And it's one of those places like Greenwich, you know. And <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> I saw Chad, Chad Solon one day, Solon one day, I got his name wrong. He's hilarious. He talked about the fact that he grew up one time and he couldn't take the Mercedes to school. He goes, that's what I had to deal with. You tell me I didn't grow up in the hood. It was, it was hilarious. <laughs> he's, got, he's got a real sad, poor me story. Oh. You know, I just crack up about Chell is one of the funniest guys there is out there. Man. He's so good at what he does. He's a good fighter too. Yeah, very good, man. It was a hell of a wrestler at that time. Hey, I want to ask you about uh, our good friend, uh, Pat Patterson. Uh, you know, first, every tribute I've seen to Pat, people talk about him like they're his best friend because everybody felt like Pat was their best friend, and Pat was. I mean, I talked to guys when I went back to WWE this past week for a tribute to the troops, and everybody that saw, said something about Pat, they talked as if he was their best friend. Pat had that impact on guys, right? Pat, Pat did have that impact, and, and, and they were right. They were. But, John, first of all, you know, congratulations to you on that uh, 
that tribute to the troops. Now, that was your brainchild, and uh, you're the you're the reason why that thing has lasted this long. And for you to to be on broadcast TV with this thing, I mean, what a thrill that had to be for you, and just the satisfaction that you know that this show is finally getting the recognition that that it deserved. It always was. It always was one of the network's uh, favorite shows and best shows. But to be on uh, Fox uh, Fox uh, TV. I mean, uh, to me, I was really proud of, of, of you and really proud of, of WWE and the way it's presented. Yeah, it was such a great show uh, this past Sunday on Fox. Fox did a, a great job, as WWE did, with presenting the entire show. Uh, what was so cool about the tribute to the troops going to Iraq and Afghanistan was that WWE didn't want us just to stay in the green zone. You know, everybody who went to there went to the green zone. They want us to go to all the forward operating bases and actually see and stay, live and eat with the soldiers. And that's one of the things that made it so special was the fact that we went to forward operating bases, FOBs, as they call them, that most people had never even heard of or had been to. It was really an incredible time to see these guys over there in the deserts of Afghanistan and Iraq. Well, thank you for bring, uh, uh, doing that, John, and thank you for bringing it to the attention of Vince and Kevin Dunn and, and getting the show done. And, uh, you know, back to our, our dear, dearly uh, uh, departed friend, uh, Pat Patterson. Everybody thought he, Pat was the, his best friend, their best friend, and, and, and they were when they were around Pat. When Pat took you and set you aside, he was so focused on you and, you know, what you were saying and everything that uh, he was your best friend at that moment there. And uh, nobody has, has, has things to say about Pat. I mean, there, there's uh, these, uh, these uh, goofs out there, you know, screw you, you know, Pat, Pat, Pat was our friend and, and we'll fight for Pat Patterson any day of the week. You know, I'd love it when Pat would get worked up. He'd go, oh, the crowd go banana. They all go banana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I go. You know, I get this question all the time about the Stooges. You know, you know, Pat, Pat. You know, Pat was wow. I mean, you know, businessman. I mean, I you know, I had the great uh, pleasure of being around guys like uh, Bill Watts. You know, great finish guy. Guys like Eddie Graham that taught Bill Watts. I mean, uh, you know, so George Scott. So some of these great bookers and some of these great minds in the business, but. I never seen one 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 person, and I'm talking fifty some odd years in this old damn wrestling business, man. And so I've seen a bunch of them, but Pat, Pat to me, had, he had the greatest mind for this business anybody had ever walked the face of the earth. And uh, you know, he he, but he had that sense of humor about him too that was just second to none. Hey, John, you know, I was down the street corner the other day and uh, there was a group of old cowboys there. And you know who told me to tell you hello? Who? Nobody. That <laughs> <laughs> Pat, Pat got me on that joke, I bet, 15 or 20 times over the years. And he'd, he'd catch you with it unexpected. I mean, just unexpected. He'd find different ways to set it up. They say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was in New York, and they ran into some friends of yours. Uh, yeah, yeah, in Texas, uh, saw a buddy of yours. You know who's asking about you? Nobody. <laughs> and he would crack up. I mean, he had another one, and I know, uh, you know, and this is this is done very respectfully to Pat Patterson. But you know, Pat, you know, he 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 lived he lived he lived two lives. You know, he lived he lived the business life of Pat Patterson 
WWE superstar and, and, and business executive. Then he led his personal life and how he did that for so many years, you know, without really, uh, I mean, you know, there were, uh, brother Bruce was a uh, rumor in the window all the time, you know, about Pat Patterson. But, uh, you know, when you see him one-on-one and you talk to him, you sit down and you get him in that wrestling uh, building, that's, that, that's all you thought about was Pat Patterson, the wrestler, yeah. not Pat Patterson, personal guy. So, uh, did you guys ever work with him and Ray Stevens? You know, he went out and worked uh, out in California, the Cal Palace, uh, mainly. Now, he also worked in Portland, I think, for Don Owens, but he worked out there with Mad Dog uh, at Cal Palace with Ray Stevens. Did you guys ever work with him? They also worked AWA uh, as well. Yeah, that, that's, you know, John, that, that's really a nice, I say this with, with much sincerity, that, that's one of my biggest regrets in the business that Jack and I are, are myself and anybody. I, I mean, we work with Patterson and, and Stevens, I think, in Carolina, but both of them were at, you know, at, at the tail end of it. I never really got to see see uh ray ray at his peak or pat at his peak uh, first time i ever ran at, ran into pat patterson you know i'm like everybody else when i started in the business you know you're you know those little little local towns that we grew up in small towns you had the magazine those after magazines and so you'd go look and you know pat and, and ray were just setting records in and san francisco cow palace and i want to ask you a question about cow palace a little bit later but you know you see all the pictures of ray and pat you know and i mean uh, they're drawing fifteen thousand people a week back in the you know in the early 70s which is wow i mean this is every week not once a month or every three months you go to a big major market they're running at San Francisco Cow Palace weekly. And, uh, you know, the great thing about it, I got to sit in that car with Pat many, many nights, and I'd, I'd, I'd ask him, just tell me a story about the Cow Palace. He'd tell me about Alpha and Siki, you know, when they were like kids, you know, little kids out to watch uh, the great chief Peter Maivia perform in the Cow Palace. Well, they'd be setting up in the rafters. Had to get so much heat on them. Most two little uh, two bear Samoans would jump over the damn balcony and come in the ring, and Pat would have to fight them as kids. <laughs> so <laughs> it was wild, but I got to listen to all those stories with Pat like that. And what a phenomenal storyteller. Yeah, what a phenomenal storyteller. He tag team later with Rocky Johnson as well, uh, was a tag team champion in, in one of the territories of Rocky, right? That's right. That's right. Uh, he was uh, in San Francisco, I think. And also, I think he did a little bit in the Carolinas. They, they teamed back up. I'm not sure on that, but. I know they that that's how Rocky. Maybe it was Oregon, but that's how Rocky really got his name in the United States was uh, tagging up with Patterson. Oh, really? I, I didn't. I wasn't aware that that was Rocky's first big first big. Break. That was Rocky's first big break. It really was was to be with uh, tag team with Patterson there. What is the what was the deal between Pat and Gorgeous George? I don't know if you ever heard this. I asked uh, Pat about Gorgeous George a few times. You know, he was he was bound down in, in L.A. at the Olympic Coliseum, and he was kind of pretty much done. I think he did his retirement match in uh, 1962, I believe it was, where he got his head shaved. But he was 50 years old at the time, a little bit past his prime. Pat didn't think much of George. He, he talked about how he drew money in L.A., but he didn't draw money anywhere else. Did you ever hear that uh, talk to Pat about George or that, that friction that there kind of was between the two competing draws? Pat up in uh, San Francisco and George down in L.A.? 
Well, you know, that, that's an interesting story there. I know I, I, I'd answer your question. I, I never talked to Pat about that, and I wish I would have because I really wasn't aware. But I was always aware of the, of the friction, it seemed like, between Southern California wrestling and Northern California wrestling. I mean, those those guys, I mean, you, you talk to them, and very few of them crisscrossed each other. You were either a star in San Francisco or you are a star in, in Southern California. It didn't seem like they mixed or matched their, their talent out too well. And I think a lot of that was because Roy Shires really didn't want those guys coming up there and stealing his, 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 uh, his game plan, you know, how he ran his operation, which he, at, at uh, I kind of wished I would have gone out there when I was in Australia working for Jim Barnett and I, I would, I'd sign like everybody else to go down there for two to three months. And then, you know, come back to the United States. Well, I was a rookie. I was just starting in the business. I got lucky because Jack was down there and uh, Barnett fell in love with Jack and Jack's work and everything. So uh, Jack told him about me that I was just starting in the business. He said, come on down. So uh, I went down there and I ended up, like I said, ended up staying for 11 months down there when I signed up for like an eight week tour down there. And uh, Barnett liked me and I liked my work and I, but I got to work with all those guys. But uh, 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 when it come time for me to leave, I, I you know, I was kind of wondering, you know, I, I was welcome in Florida, but I re- really didn't want to go there. And because Jack was such a big star there that I just didn't want to go and be that guy at that time. You know, so I stayed away from there. So I talk, I had a chance to go to Carolina, which I ended up going. But Bardet was friends with uh, Roy Shire. And he had really pitched me hard to go into San Francisco. And also uh, the Von Steiner brothers were in, uh, uh, the old Von Steiner brothers were in in Australia at the time. They were hot in Oregon and Don Owens. That was another place I kind of wanted to work. But I never ventured out there. And the only reason I really wanted to go to San Francisco was because of Pat Patterson and Ray Stevens. I just, you know, I'd heard all the horror stories about how Roy Shard would holler at you for, for perfection. But hell, you know, we were college athletes. You know, you know how the coaches holler at you anyway. So you know, what's another guy from this one paying you some good money to holler at you? So, so that didn't bother me. But the big thing that really excited me was, man, I'm gonna go out there and get to see the Pat Patterson and Ray Stevens. So, but anyway, Crockett's offered me a, a great deal, so I went out there and stayed out there most of my career. Were they recognized by everybody as pretty much the best? I mean, Bret Hart said they're the best tag team of, of the 70s. Uh, were they recognized pretty much by everybody in all the different territories that, that Pat and Ray, that's the cream of the crop? Well, as, as, as you know, guys working in the South, I mean, you know, as you know, and, and, and you know, the guys working up for Vern and guys working other places, and especially Carolina, they, you know, they always have their favorite tag team. But among the boys, among their peers, I mean, when I was, when I was getting rolling and everything, I was always told, you know, by, by the veterans, I was lucky because I was in Oklahoma and a lot of people were passing through. It was, you know, that's a crossing point that in Texas, you know, going east and west. They, they would drop down, work for Leroy and Fritz and uh, Paul down in uh, south uh, Texas. But uh, that, that was the thing, you know, among, among their peers, they'd, uh, you'd always hear Patterson and Stevens, Stevenson and Patterson, you know. 
And and then then tag teams, you know, if you're a tag team, you know, the Torres brothers, Ramon and Ricky Torres, they come through Oklahoma and they were, you know, hot out in California and they were they were always, you know, talking about it. the the Kozaks, Jerry and Nick, you know, from West Texas, two of my favorite people taught me so much in this business that I owe so much to uh you know, they as good as they were. I mean, it was Stevenson Patterson to them also. And then moving down to Florida and Georgia and Carolinas, that was that was the name that was synonymous with tag team wrestling. And uh, and so yeah, I would say they were probably the best tag team, you know, among their peers of all time. Going back just a little bit real quick to, to Gorgeous George and the L.A. and the rivalry between L.A. and San Francisco, which, you know, George never drew big money. Now, he drew massive money in the Coliseum. In fact, they called them Georgie sets when TV sets first came out because they claimed that uh, George uh, sold as many TV sets as Milton Berle. You know, it, Gorgeous George was huge, but he never drew outside, really, of Southern California. Uh, when he went to the East Coast, he was he was not that successful. I, I don't know for whatever reason, but Pat was. Was that uh, what was the difference between the two territories? Did the LA group not really draw outside of Los Angeles and not really care to? Well, I don't think as a group because you know you look at some of those stars that came out. I mean, we're we're talking really early guys, and and you're right, they didn't. But I, you know the difference in and 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 style, and it's going to sound different in today's world. Was that entertainment? San Francisco had those hard ass old school wrestlers, Bray Stevens, Pat Patterson, you know. Uh, Gomez, all those guys that could go, you know, and they flip-flopped a lot with Oregon because Don Owens had that same mental philosophy, you know, shoot, uh, uh, Don Owens' uh, brother would pay the guy $5 extra, $10 extra to go out and take down somebody that the guys, of course, <laughs> would work and split the 10 bucks, you know, so. Uh, <laughs> That's great. So, and so then you're talking about uh, Southern California where it's all Hollywood, you know, it's the Georgie pins, it's the robes and all that. And back in our day, John, in the early, early days you know, of, of my days, it was just when all that stuff was starting to phase out, but wrestling was real, you know, and the fans wanted to see it as real. And outside of Hollywood, you know, uh, where it was entertainment, they were probably the only entertainment company in the wrestling business at that time. Well, if you know, that makes later, any sense. <laughs> later, Memphis got that kind of that reputation. You know that exactly. ha-ha reputation, and, and uh, they they had they were kind of looked at and looked down on from the NWA uh, bigwig on on the entertainment that they were doing there, but. Lawler got it, you know. Lawler got it. it. I think he was such a fan of George and that old uh, that that style of West Coast wrestling that you know he kind of incorporated into what he did there. Yeah, well, you know, Lawler was actually going to wrestle Elvis in a wrestler versus MMA match, a wrestler versus judo match before Elvis uh, passed away. I mean, that's how big Lawler was in Memphis at the time. Yeah, well, you go back even further, Spud Monroe, and uh, Elvis used to come to uh, to the Coliseum to see Spud Monroe wrestle, and uh, they wanted to be tag team partners. Unbelievable! You know that that thing with Andy Kaufman is still the time TV guide says one of the top twenty five TV pieces of all time. With wow! The, and he slapped Andy Kaufman on the David Letterman show, and it was 
unbelievable time. And, and and Jerry got so much heat for doing that. You know, what are you doing getting this Hollywood guy in our business? What are you doing exposing? You're telling everybody. You know, they talk about exposés and everything. You know, think about these little bits and pieces that, that were leaking from territories like that. I mean, you know, get this Hollywood actor involved. What the hell does he know about wrestling? You know, I mean, there was some heat on that from the NWA powers. How did it work when you were at WWE? You sold Georgia Championship Wrestling to uh, Mr. McMahon and uh, made what Vince McMahon says a fortune off of him. The worst deal he said he ever made. The best deal he ever made is what is what Vince says. Uh, but then you're part of the first WrestleManias. Bruce Pritchard comes along at the same time. Pat Patterson has moved from being an in-ring talent, you know, had the great bunkhouse brawl match with uh, sergeants in the uh, Madison Square Garden, but now he's a road agent. But you had Bruce and Vince and Pat were three of the creative minds along with you, the main agent. How did that dynamic work in the starting of the WrestleMania era? I tell you what, what strange bedfellows, uh, that, that group of people that you just mentioned. I mean, how, how they got together is just by chance, I think. But uh, each one of us had a specific skill that, that we could bring to the table. And you know, you know the old man, he don't bring you to the table unless you got something to offer. You know, he just don't bring you there because he likes you. So each one of us had something special that, that he needed. And, but that dynamic, I mean, I used to sit in that car with them. I mean, uh, and it, it sometimes it was so funny just to watch Pat just just harass Vince without Vince even knowing that Pat's harassing him. And Ben Bruiser just sitting there to crack it up to himself. I mean, he would just go off on a tangent, you know, just just some really strange angles or our figures that we're, we're we're talking about, and sometimes Vince would get to start start enhancing enhancing Pat's ribs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know it was great after every, every garden show, we'd all get in a limo or get get in a car. We go to one of one of Vince's uh, steakhouses that he had had stay open for him, especially after the after hours and so it was basically just us and these big big fancy ass steak houses and we'd start drinking some wine and pat the more wine that was that was consumed the funnier pat would get and sometimes it gets so hilarious so so on vent i mean he he was on vent he wasn't you know he, pat a lot of people take pat wrong pat was not a yes man in, in the company by any any stretch of the imagination pat would would would, would voice his thing that Sometimes Pat would get a little emotional and a little, a little wild, you know, pitching his idea. But we get in those steakhouses some of the late nights, and Pat would get going. Vince would just say, Pat, I've had enough. You know, go home. It's not involved. But the three of those guys, they were arguing all the damn time. There was never, especially Pat and Bruce. I mean, they, they, they I think they just liked to argue. I think they did that just to kind of, just to kind of show Vince that you know, they didn't always agree with each other. But I, sometimes I would go, I, I would go out to uh, either Pat's house. I would never go to Bruce's house because he lived in a little, little, little uh, apartment there at the time he was a single guy. And you talk about funny. Now we're talking Bruce pressured uh, Abdullah the butcher size back in the early seventies, you know, 
I mean, he's big now, but Bruce was big back then. He had this little bitty Saab or Super, you know, those little bitty box cars, you know, that they, they put an engine somewhere in it, wherever they could find a little vacant spot. Watching Bruce open that door, put that seat way back, and if he had a you know a briefcase uh, it was bigger than a car, he's trying to fit that briefcase in there, then get his big gas and and, and a driver's seat on there. By the time he get it, I'd be over over the corner like it's a of the shotgun seat. We go over to Pat's house. We'd sit there, and I tried this several weeks, and Vince, you know, was wanting me to get him on it. And they, I could get over there with these guys. I mean, you know, I'm away from home. They're both living in Stanford. I'm still living in Florida. And Vince is trying like hell to get me to move to Florida. And I are just Connecticut. And I'm telling him the only thing, thing good about uh, Connecticut is I-95 South. And, you know, he didn't have a sense of humor on that. But but the, the argument, Pat and uh, Bruce would get in to over nothing. So we'd sit there. We're trying to do some booking and some TV writing, some creative and they would start to bullshit, you know, and I, holy cow, I'd sit there and listen, guys, come on, let's focus, let's get to work, so I get to the damn airport and get the hell out of there, and then when I'd tell them, you know, I had an airplane, then the delay system would really start, you know, we were supposed to do a show, we'd maybe do one segment, maybe two segments, okay, we're burnt, let's go, Pat, let's go get a vodka, you know, and then we'd go get a vodka or something like that. But they spend more time arguing and they would working. But when it came time to really work and really like, like, you know, Vince really didn't have any deadline because you never knew what when he was going to work, when he wanted to work or anything. So you made yourself available. So, but uh, Bruce and Pat and and Pat would get on to Bruce just so bad and just get get. Bruce would turn bright red. He'd get so hot wanting to say something. But, you know, Pat was just so superior over him all the time. It, it was it was quite, quite a show. What did you think about when he first heard the Royal Rumble? I was like everybody else. You know, I was an old traditionalist. And, 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 uh, but I knew, you know, you, really, you knew right away where he was coming from, from San Francisco. They're there, you know, there once a year. They had one, one a year, and it was a, it started off their – their new year with or in the year, I forgot exactly which way it was, but that, that was their battle world. And they bring in guys from all over the country. So it was always a big deal. And as a talent back in those days, you always kind of wish that phone would ring with that area code on it. And it'd be shared on one of those guys pick up you and pick up the phone. Hey, would like you in San Francisco. I never got the invite, but, uh, my brother was uh, uh, when they were grooming for uh, for the world championship. He he participated in them. He loved it. You know, they bring Andre and they bring all all the all the all the novelty action from all over the United States, and they they'd have this battle royal. So we knew what uh, Pat was trying to get at, and and when he started saying the you know the uh, the time limits and all that stuff on on guys entering entering i mean we we settled for 30 right away because that's kind of what roy always had out in san francisco so the number wasn't a deal but you know how to get a battle roll started it's always awkward and it's always goes to cartoon you know when there's 30 guys out there that first bell rings everybody's kind of you know you know how it is you're kind of grab ass and you're trying to get to the right guys you want to lean up against the rope with and kind of say out of danger's way. So 
it's a little, you know, a little closer there, there in the beginning. So that, well, you know, if we just had two guys started out, you know, okay, you know, that's not too bad. And then, then you know, you know, guys coming in 30, but then you start to think, holy shit, that's going to take forever. You know, <laughs> ever met a 30 guys, you know, you know, you know that's going to take forever. What's going on in it. But, I, what was going on inside with all these little subplots that Pat had come up with. So it was the concept was interesting as hell from uh, from what I understand. Vince was just shaking his head no at, at every turn, but we're getting involved with uh, NBC and Dick Embersall and uh, Lou Del Pratt of uh, Saturday Night Live fame. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, they had a meeting with Pat and, uh, Vince, I, I don't know if Bruce was there or not, but I wasn't. I wasn't part of that meeting when 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 uh, when uh, when Embersall finally said, "Man, that 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 makes good good for good TV." But shortly after that, I remember uh, uh, receiving a call from Pat telling me, "Hey, they're going to go for it." And I said, well, "Go for what?" And he said, "My my Royal Rumble," and I'm said, "Holy shit!" But I. I Writing those things with Pat, you know, uh, was was so much fun. But uh, but anyway, Embersall then was charged with uh, 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 making sure that Vince McMahon went along with 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 the routine. And so you know, Vince wanted Vince always wants to tweak with things. So he started tweaking with the time and all that stuff. But fortunately, you know, uh, we didn't have our own network at the time. So we were under NBCA, M- M- NBC's uh, restraints. So uh, it had to be a certain time limit. And this minute and a half, this 90 seconds worked out just right for for breaks and all this stuff for NBC. So uh, so uh, Dick did his uh, best pitch job and then Vince went with it. And man, here we are still doing it in 2020, you know. Did you ever were you ever part of the the battle royal that Pat put together? Pat told me about it many times. He had a picture of it with Luthez. He brought back a bunch of the old guys for one big battle royal. Vince didn't think it could be done, and Pat wanted to get it done, and he got all of the great old names into one battle royal. There's even some old pictures of it. Do you know what I'm? Do you remember what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, I do. That's what pissed Randy Savage off, right? I mean, for years because his yeah. dad wasn't invited. No, but, I was. Uh, yeah. I was working for the company at the time. But John, when I first started with the company, I was I was doing local promotion. They they you know they the WWF or WWE was was expanding at the time in the South. The NWA had such a strong stranglehold on all the buildings and all the building managers. You know how these building managers, they kind of work in a group. They kind of reason they go from here to here, you know, and you, you get you form a bond and a relationship with these uh, building managers because you work with them weekly. Uh, there weren't too many, uh, and it's still out of now, there's hard none, but there weren't too many weekly shows coming to these buildings that would keep your building occupied for 51 weeks out of the year. So the building managers were really, really loyal to the NWA group because of, of, of the fact that they're putting, putting events on 50, 50, 52 weeks out of the year in, in their buildings and their facilities. So when an outsider comes in and wants, hey, I want to rent your building for wrestling, well, how many shows I'm bumming one, maybe maybe two, you know, if, if we get lucky. Building managers, it's okay, hey, I got somebody here doing 52 weeks a year. I, I'm not going to risk their, their loyalty for, for bringing you in. 
that was the WWF uh, <coughs> business model at the time. You go in once every every four months, and you know if if it's a, a big town, you're you're twice a year. But most of the town in the South were, you know. Uh, so the max that you could offer these guys were four shows, you know, and that was that was kind of stretching it. And so these building managers weren't weren't really playing playing games, but through my association with ownership in Georgia and, and Florida, and uh, having a great relationship with the uh, with the Crockett family and the Carolinas, always was in on the business side of meeting these uh, business ma- building managers and stuff like that. So I formed a relationship with them. So when when WWE wanted to start expanding into the South, like I said, they were having trouble getting the building. Well, Barnett knew that I had that relationship with the, with the building. So he told Vince about it. Vince picked up the phone and said, hey, and I was retired at the time. You know, I just made my, my green Sunday uh, Green Saturday sale with Vance. So I was kicked back here at home and I wasn't really caring, you know, to go to work. But, you know, the guy offered me, hey, I'd like to get Tampa going, Miami going, Orlando, I'd like to get Florida going. And if we get that going, I'd like to get up up, up, up in the South. And so there'll be some expansion. And, uh, and about, uh, we need a local promoter, somebody that the buildings trust that, uh, you know, at the time I didn't put it all together, you know, what, what I, the task that I was, I was handed, you know, to persuade all these building managers to jump with us. So, and WCW is still going on at the time and still renting the building pretty frequently. So that's basically how I started out with them. But uh, we on the, the rumble, I, I believe, uh, when when Pat did it, I was supposed to run a show, uh, one of those Saturday night main events here in Tampa at the USF Sundome. And one of the thing is, I think I still got the chair. I don't know if it's the second or first or second or one of the first three. I still got one of those, those souvenir chairs, the Royal Rumble, Tampa, Florida, in it. So I got to promote it. <coughs> uh, excuse me, and see Pat firsthand, but how he put everything together. And you know how, how, how corporate WWE is. I mean, you, uh, you got 10 pages for one segment of, of the show. Pat would come in just, just with all, all 30 guys in his head and he'd start <laughs> rumbling and think, okay, John, you're going out here. And uh, John, before you go out, you throw, you throw Briscoe out and all this stuff. I mean, and, and you know, he had it all figured out and he didn't have all the, everything scribbled down on a sheet of paper. Well, the guy was just pure genius on that. Well, the Battle Royal, though, the Battle Royal, though, with, with uh, say, Luthez, I think maybe Don Leo Jonathan was in it. Uh, Savage's daddy was not. That was uh, that was not a televised event, right? No, that was not. That was a house show, and, and uh, I think it was in Newark at the old uh, at that uh, building they had. That, what was the name of that building in Newark? But uh, uh, they they ran a uh, that 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 was where they had it, and and uh, Pawlo was not not invited to the show. But <laughs> you, you, I don't know if you ever saw a report on it. Out of, out of those 20, 30 old timers that he had in there, I think they had to rent out uh, St. Joe's Hospital. There. I think four of them got <laughs> I think uh, Scarpa broke his, uh, broke his ankle. Another guy broke, uh, Jim Myers broke his finger or something. I mean, it, it, was, a, it was a medevac uh, situation there. Nobody's seriously, I mean, you know, just nicks and, and bruises. But uh, 
uh, from what I understand, you know, the, the, the house show, I mean, it grew big. I mean, it, 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 it was, it was all big. the old legends, you know, Pat had put all these old legends together and Vince didn't think Pat could get all these old legends because Vince had just basically taken over all the territories and he thought there was a lot of animosity there, but every one there of was. Them, every, yeah, every one of them Pat called came in and did the battle Royal. Well, you know, you know, the old wrestler thing. I mean, you're not going to turn down a payday. And these old timers, they saw the writing on the wall. You know, the vets were taking over and the territories were, were, were drying up left and right. So uh, you get that call, you know, you want, you want to be in a battle room making, you know, you never turn down a payday, especially when you're an old timer and, you know, there's, there's not a lot of them out there. So uh, there, there were a few shockers, you know, guys like Fez, you know, uh, showing up for it. I mean that, that that was probably the big shocker, you know, that, that Lou Lou showed up for it. But, uh, well, Mr. Briscoe, thank you for uh, another week of uh, stories with Briscoe and Bradshaw. Well, John, it's always a pleasure. You know, uh, you know, we're here we're here to remember Pat, and uh, you know, just a quick story, and I and I'll tell this story. You know, you know, Pat, a Canadian, but he loved uh, the Western history of the United States, and. You know, you know, he always, you know, like you do, you know, I'm a proud Native American. You know, I'm pretty good with history and some of that stuff, you know, with with Native Americans, you know. So, you know, we, we were driving along, we're somewhere, and, and, and the Dakotas were just colder and shit. And, you know, we're just telling road stories. Like, Pat, you know, it amazes me, you know, there's not ice and snow on, on the ground out there. You know, Native Americans, they used to live out here and, you know, in damn huts and teepees and all that stuff. He said, oh, you know, how, big, how did you guys survive that? Those little loincloths, you know, those little, little things that you, he said, you think there was any gay Indians out there? I said, well, you know, pal, we did side with the French for a while, so who knows? Being <laughs> <laughs> a French Canadian. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Pat told me when he wrote his book, he said, uh, big, big news come, you know, I, I'm coming out. I said, coming out of what? And he said, well, the closet, you know, I'm gay. I said, well, Pat, I know you're gay, but so does everybody else. He said, no, 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 they don't know. And I said, Pat, it's, the, it, it's not, it's not a secret. And, you know, that, that was a great thing about Pat Patterson. You know, we're, we're going to extend this, you know, as usual. Hey, hey, Conrad, hey, uh, WWE, you listen, we, 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 we can entertain you. So that was another <laughs> thing, Pat. So we, anyway, what was you saying there? So I finished my I mean, Pat, well, tell, me, tell me he's coming out of the closet, but people had known for decades. I mean, nobody oh, yeah. cared. So, you know, I, we're making these road trades, and, and all the time I'm saying, Pat, you know, come on, you know, why don't you have a good time? You know, he's starting to go on these cruises, but he's, you know, he's going by himself. I said, you know, Pat, you know, I'm sure you meet guys on these cruises. You know, he's going to sing karaoke and he's going on a, you know, a, a brand only cruise, you know? And I said, meet somebody, you know, you know, and I enjoy the rest of your life. You know, this is at the, at the suit this time, you know, when we're both up, up there, uh, you know, on a business, uh, I said, Pat, you're trying to, you're the only person that you're kayfabing is yourself. <laughs> Everybody in this right. damn company knows your, 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 what, what you want, uh, what, what you are. <laughs> yeah, no one cares. And you're the, and nobody really cared. People like you at Pat Patterson, they don't care what you are. So Pat, <laughs> enjoy yourself. 
He said, and he, but he, you know, he, he protected the business so damn much because he didn't want anybody having anything to say about him whatsoever. So, you know, when, <coughs> when Pat was, was in, in that business mode, I mean, he was Pat Patterson, man, right straight to you, you know, and, but when he, when he go to his personal life, it, I wanted him to enjoy himself. And I was so happy when, uh, when he finally told me he was going to write that book and, uh, and come out, you know. Yeah. You know, Pat, Pat tells a story all the time about him and Mad Dog Bashan and Louie. Oh, know, yeah. Where, where Mad Dog actually was driving down a sidewalk trying to, Chasing run, him. Ch- trying to run over Louie. And yeah. finally, Louie gets in the car, and Mad Dog and Louie become best friends. And Louie has a spot at all of the wrestling matches and all that. And, you know, it was it was a great story about Pat out in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, uh, and you don't want Mad Mad Dog upset with you, you know. But he was, yeah, he's chasing chasing Louis down. Louis running, hiding behind these uh, garbage bins and all that stuff. And Mad Dog's hitting him with his car and all that stuff. Then they turn out to be best friends. So, you know, it, it's it's that's the person, you know. And and we all know what kind of man Pat Patterson was. So, salute, my brother. Salute. Thank you, Mister Briscoe. Thank you, Don. <laughs>